Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God We're going to go ahead and start. It's don't want to keep you here forever. We've got a few awesome things today. Um, some guests here with us that are kind of nomadic. They're kind of like a journeying through a wilderness known as Cobb. Um, so Grant Cole, Danny Cole, you guys right? Will you just stand really quickly? Grant and Danny. So this is Grant Cole, Danny Cole. So they, they um, are here with a group of people from, I guess, the group that's kind of starting something with them. They're going to be doing some stuff, possibly planning a church. And I just want to take a moment to rightly recognize um, many of you have no idea who they are. Um, I, I literally have preached probably 50 sermons about Grant. Um, I just, I, the best way to say it is I was in a tough ministry season when I started ministry, and Grant was the best example of, to me of Jesus that I had ever seen. It's not even close. I'm just going to say it's not even close. Um, I remember Sarah and I sat down to interview at the church we were going to become youth pastors at, and we sat across from Grant, and we were both horrified. He's like the most larger-than-life personality you've ever seen. And I was like, I, I got in my car and was crying. Like, it's like, God, I know you didn't call me to this. I'm about to be eaten alive by this human. Turns out, two months later, I'm sitting in his office. I was in his office almost every week, and I was kind of stealing his commentaries. And also, we would just open up the commentaries and talk about the Word. And like, he just loves the Word. And I just need, like, I knew that God had given me an example of someone that passed along to me things that I'll never forget. So um, I don't know of a better example of Christ in my life. And I just want to say thank you. Like, I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I thank you so much for everything. 
Um, so can we just maybe cheer for him and her? <laughs> oh, oh! Grant really likes to be honored in front of people too. So was that how you wanted it to go, or? Okay, just kidding. So maybe I'm gonna ask him to come back soon. My mom knew you were here, and she was like, "You should have him preach today." And I was like, "I should." That's it. Good. He's one of the best preachers on the planet. His testimony is the most inspiring thing I've ever heard. He was serving a life sentence in prison for drug trafficking. God radically brought him out. Um, just, he started Good Samaritan Health Clinic, which serves people for free. He started Give a Kid a Chance backpack program. You guys have heard of the Give a Kid a Chance. He, his group started that. It's spread all over the world. Um, He's the reason why when I started ministry, I was like, how do we serve the city instead of how do we become a big church? It's the reason why you're hearing things about Carriage House. I saw it. You have to see it. So you have to see it. You have to see it for it to, to be passed to you. And thank you for that. Um, thinking about like today's Story Sunday, Communion Sunday, it's Family Sunday. Why do we have our children in this room right now? Isn't that annoying? Like, no, it's not. <laughs> For those of you who are going to send me an email and say, we really should take our kids out, it's a little bit annoying. You know what? Like, they need to see what we do. They need to know how we do this. There's been like this radical shift of kids going through some kind of ministry that's amazing, and all of a sudden they reach their 18, 19-year-old, and they're like, what is this? What? There's not like lollipops everywhere and cotton candy? Oh, I don't want to follow Jesus anymore. They need to see when we break the bread and drink the blood. They need to ask questions about, why are we drinking blood? This is crazy. It is. It is crazy. It is crazy. They need to see that part. It's an awesome crazy. They need to see us worship. They need to hear what Julia said about, it's okay to raise your hands. Like, good. They need to see us pray and weep. They need to see this. We pass along. What are we passing along? I don't want to pass along my desire to be a great speaker. And all week long, I'm in my study, and my kids are like, I just want to be loved. And I'm like, you shut your mouth. I'm doing the Lord's work. Amen? So they need to, they need to see it from us. What are we passing to our next people? There's our next people. What are we giving them? This gospel has been transferred throughout generation, generations. Some generations, radical revivals happen. Some just really awful bored stuff, really bad traditional stuff, but it still somehow got through. It was still graceful enough to get through things like wars where Christians were hurting. It was still able to get through. People carried the story all the way to us. What are we giving people? I don't want to have the biggest church. The people in this room, half of them aren't even ours. Like this, some people are like, oh, this is awesome. This is like half these people aren't even going to be a part of our church. I want to give people the gospel that's broken over coffee and homes at hospital beds and apartment complexes. It's not about inviting people here. It's about being inserted. It's Emmanuel Jesus going into lives, taking on flesh to be like, and then not demanding that they have what we have. This is the gospel that I want to give. That's why I'm here. So today, it's weighty. Like, this is weighty. It shouldn't just be easy. It shouldn't be comfortable. It's not the gospel of comfort. 
It's not the gospel of, please don't talk to me during service. I'm getting my worship on. It's not the gospel of, please make sure it's not hot in this room. It's not the gospel of lighting. It's not the gospel of fog machines. It's not the gospel of famous preachers. It's not any of that. It's the gospel of Jesus. It's got to be about Jesus. And if you read his word, he's not just fluffy all the time. He's not just like petting a lamb. He's not just, he's not white Swedish Jesus. We all know that. Like there are passages where Jesus makes people run from him. Not because he's like, you're going to run from me, but he's like, you're going to drink my blood. And they're like, what? No, we're not going to drink your blood. There are passages where Jesus shakes us so much. He's like, I'm shaking all that comfort out of you. You think it's about being comfortable and you want to be comfortable, but if you're comfortable, you will not grow in me. You will not take what I have. You will be comfortable at times. You will see miracles. You will see amazing things happen. But at the end of the day, if it's not centered around Jesus and who he is, you're tethered to nothing. You understand that? This church, this, this what we're doing today, like... This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. You take that in. And guess what? It's more than just a symbol. Forgive us for saying that. Forgive us for saying it's just a symbol. We thank you for what you did. No, it's not. It's the deal. It's the real deal. This is what we've gathered around for centuries. In this, and you'll see in a minute, in this moment, we are reminded of all that really is important. All of it. Right here. And guys, it's crazy. It, forget what you've learned. This is crazy. Drink my blood, eat my flesh. Erase all the gospel you've ever heard. And, let me, and, and somebody tells you there's this leader coming into town. You need to go hear him. And he stands before you. You've never heard anything. You just got done watching the movie. It was good, right? You're just, you Netflixed it all night. I'm going to go watch. I need you to drink my blood and eat my flesh. We're all leaving, every one of us. We're all walking out. It's crazy, guys. We need to stop trying to make the gospel not crazy and comfortable. This world doesn't need an, a comfy, not crazy gospel. It's crazy! Who we serve lives on another kingdom where we will be. It's almost like cartoon world we're talking about. So we're going to be in this other kingdom? It's a kingdom? There's always a kingdom in cartoons. So... The whole story, it's like crazy. Let's not, let's not make it what it's not. Let's not try and make it comfy. Jesus is happy all the time. Da, 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 da. He's flipping over tables. Yeah. If I did that in here, y'all be like, oh, good job, Josh. He's doing stuff. right? He's making people angry. He's, the people who are supposed to be in charge, he's like, you're doing it wrong. And then he doesn't even answer them correctly. He's like asking them questions and they're like, what is he? What? Yeah. This is our Jesus. This is what I want to serve. This past week, Bill and I, um, we got to go see a, a guy at the seminary I graduated from in Cleveland, Tennessee. And his name is Aaron Nequist. And he, this is an interesting story. He is a product of Willow Creek, which was the first seeker-friendly church, the largest church, just massive and that he's a part of what is now the children of Willow Creek Church, which have all kind of come to the conclusion that there really has to be more. 
There really has to be more. So they started this thing called the practice where they reintegrate and reinvolve um, some, of the, some of the sacraments that we just like you know, foot washing, laying on of hands with oil. Like if I, pu- if I pull out the oil right now, a bunch of you guys are like, we are never coming back, but we'll smile at you. Like these sacraments, baptism, the meal. And, and he's noticing like this really strong core of discipleship starting to happen based around like these things that Jesus was like, here's what you do, right? And we were like, no, we don't, we don't do that, right? No, we have a popcorn night. It's going to be good. Jesus is trying to shake us again and draw us back in. And so we went, and I really enjoyed it, and I was really stirred by it. Um, we took communion together, or the Eucharist um, together, and it's moving, right? Like, during these moments, historically in churches, when people do this together, people have been healed. People have, like, remembered, oh my gosh, I was totally forgiven, and, like, I had this whole new life. I'm a part of a new family that all of that past stuff is not meaning. I'm, I'm new. People are realizing we can have dreams and visions as sons and daughters of God. We can proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. It's all of this wrapped up in this meal. And when we do it, forgive us. Man, I'm going to offend somebody here. For making it a part of service that we slide in. It's like, just put that over there. We're going to hand you a little cup. And we're all going to hear the... You ever been a part of a service when we were doing it that? And it's like, everybody at once is breaking it. It's like, and we've, this is not to throw stones at any one person if anybody in here does this still. But we've consumerized the Lord's table. And when you do that, it just becomes normal. So for most of us in this room, the Lord's Supper really isn't that important. It's something that you probably did once a month at your church or you, and it's just, let's get through this, guys. Like this is a body broken for this blood. And you just do it at your seat, right? You don't have to interact with people. You just stay there. You just stay there. Enjoy, right? Why not make it like banana pudding and coffee? Tastes better than blood. I mean, so I'm going to read you a passage. And this passage, I want you to pretend you've never heard it before, okay? I want you to act as if you don't know all there is to know about Jesus, okay? I'm going to read it to you. And then you can absorb it. And this comes from John chapter 6. And I'm going to read you 48 through 69. I was going to read you a lot more. But I timed how long it took to read. I do that kind of stuff with my time. And it was like five minutes. And I knew that half of you would be asleep and we have to wake you back up. So I cut it in half. It sounds awful to do to the word. But this is what I wanted to share with you. This is John chapter 6 verses 48 through 69. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give you for the life of the world. Then rightly so, the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, it's almost like I'd be like, no, 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 here's what I'm trying to say. If I'm being honest, what I'm trying, it sounds crazy, here's what I'm trying to say. So he just goes, he double, he like double annies on him. He's like, you thought that was crazy? Get ready. (laughs) No, I tell you the truth, calm down. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, 
you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna, and they died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in a synagogue at Capernaum. On hearing it, this is exactly what would happen to us. We think, no, we would have been like, we're good. On hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is hard teaching. Wow. Earlier in this passage, like Jesus had walked on water. That's awesome. There's a guy walking on water. We're all like, let's go watch this guy walk. Even before that, there's a guy who fed a ton of people from five pieces of bread and two fish that some kid had. That's a Jesus we can follow, right? Like, all right, you turned it into that amount of food? That's awesome. This is a curveball. This is where, like, he's trying to recenter and shake them. He's trying to shake their loves. He's trying to say, you have a form of the gospel you want me to preach? I'm giving you what you need. The best form of the gospel will be what you need and not what you want. We all want what we want, though. So he shakes them so much. On hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Nobody can accept that. Nobody can accept it. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? And he's not trying, listen, he's not just trying to be mean. He's trying to give them what they need. And he's doing it in a harsh way. This is actually seeker sensitive. This is, what does this seeker need? I'm being sensitive to that. I'm giving it to you. I don't really know what seeker sensitive really is, the other version. I honestly don't know what that is. It's not, we're not giving anybody anything. This is actual seeker sensitive. What does this person need? I will give them that. It's the form of true love. I'll give you even the hard thing. And you need the hard thing right now. You need to tether yourself to something that will be here in 2,000 years when Josh Turner will be reading this to a bunch of people in a room. You need to tether yourselves to that, and this is the route. You can't have all the freedom without the cross. You can't have all the dancing without the crying. You can't have all the cheering without the weeping. This is all a part of Jesus' gospel. He hung on a cross. He didn't dance on the streets, right? He carried a cross and set it centrally in the middle of what people didn't want and said, this is what I'm doing. While they said, don't do it. What are you doing? Kill all these idiots. Kill them. That's why you came, right? You're the second David that's going to destroy our enemies. And he's like, actually, I'm the prince of peace. And it's going to look different. It's going to look like me giving up everything for you can't have all of the freedom without the cross. You can't have the forgiveness without the blood. You can't. We, and, and forgive us and forgive me. I've been a part of it for, for wetting your appetites for what you want and giving you what you want because we don't care about what you need. We need to give you what you need because that will sustain you. The only thing that will sustain you it's Jesus. He has to be the sinner. Yes. Amen? Yes. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. 
He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Sometimes when Jesus says the hard thing to us, we leave him. Because it ain't easy. And he lets them leave. I just have this imagination here. Like, these people actually left the real Jesus, looking back on it. This is real Jesus. But here's the, here's the part I wonder. Where did they, like, where... It says, where would we go in a minute? Where did they go? Like, what, what? Because they had a better... Did they go back to their homes and continue churning grapes for wine? Because that's what they did. Carving things. Did they find another religion? Because there were plenty that offered things like whatever miracle they wanted. Earlier in this chapter, they were like, you did the miracle, do more. And he's like, you think you want more bread that will sustain you for today. That's what you think you need. You want me to provide for your needs... Before I provide for what you provide for your wants, before I provide for your needs, and he says, "I'm not doing that. I'm not giving you that." And they get mad at him. On hearing this, they begin to argue with him. I would even say this about this passage: it's there's going to be times when you do argue with him. There's going to be times where you're like, "This is hard. What am I going to do with this?" And there's no satisfaction to it. The only satisfaction is is Jesus, who he said he is. And you still don't know what's going to happen as I continue. This is what I told them, that he wouldn't come to faith unless the Father had enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Then he looked at his twelve and said, you do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter was like, he had come to the realization that I think we all have to come to. Where am I going? Like, where am I going? Where? And he didn't have the answer. He wasn't like, oh, I know where I'm going. And he didn't know where Jesus was leading. Pre-cross. Right? So he just had to be at this spot coming to this table being like, I am clueless about what's about to happen. But I am going to trust no matter what. Because I know where I could go to isn't this. Even though it might fulfill me for a little bit. If I step away from this, where am I going? You hold the words of eternal life. Where am I going? Where are we going? Where do we go? We go places. When he says the hard thing to us and we're offended, we get offended quickly. I think much more than these. These guys followed him around. We're like, "Um, Josh, you got like eight minutes to finish preaching because I'm not going to be here when you're done. This is offensive. You've preached for like 32 minutes. (laughs) Jesus would be like, guys, I preach for like 32 hours at a time. I know I'm not Jesus, so there's no correlation there. Um, He's probably a better teacher than me, is my guess. But he says to them, am I offending you? I'm not trying to offend you so that you'll be angry. I'm trying to offend you so that you'll know that your previous loves aren't the gospel. You want something different than what I'm offering. I want you to not want it. This is why it's interesting. The children, as they entered the desert... As they're freed from slavery, God provides what for them? Manna, which means, what is this? You know that's what it means? It means, what is this? So th- this is a really interesting part of the story to me, that they would mention manna because it's an actual sustainable thing that they get that doesn't taste great. It's just continual. But they had formed these appetites in slavery, the appetites of slaves. And as having these appetites of slaves, God had to bring them through this time where you're not getting milk and honey yet. You're getting what you need. You need to be cleansed. You have to be cleansed of these appetites. 
these appetites for more miracles or a figurehead. This is Jesus from our hometown. What's he going to say? You got to be cleansed from needing this spectacular figurehead or miracles everywhere. Guys, I believe miracles are real. I believe they're going to, I think some miracles might happen today. But the gospel is not about miracles. It's about Jesus. That's an outflow of it. And if it's any other way, you're leading people to something different. So it's got to be about Jesus. So they had manna, which literally meant, what is this? And sometimes when Jesus is speaking into our lives, we're saying, what is this? We're in a situation where we're like, okay, what is this? What is this? And he's like, it's manna. It's not what you want, but it's what you need. And in the process of getting you to milk and honey, it's cleansing you of slaves' food. And we don't want to go through that. So he gives us quail. (laughs) Remember the story? They wanted quail, so what did he do? He gave them quail. It was everywhere. People throwing up quail, because quail tastes better, right? I'll give you what you want. You want quail? Have you ever been a part of a ministry that's too much about miracles? And you're like, is Jesus even here, guys? Has anybody mentioned Jesus? Are we leading anybody to Jesus? To me, that's like the quail of our day, like more of this, more of this, more of this. But you're like, where's the gospel? Where's the relationship? Where's Emmanuel Jesus? Where's I'll sit with you at your hospital? Even if my prayer for your healing didn't work, you must not be living right because Jesus heals people. Where is the real gospel, right? Like quail. We want quail and he gives it to us. And then we throw it up all over everybody. And then he cleanses us of that. And then he gives us more manna, and then he leads us into the promised land. The trick with us is we see the cross. We look back on it. We know it. We know the story. We can tell our kids the story. But can we put ourselves back in it? Every day. The great thing about the first century church, and there are some crazy things about it, and we're not the first century church. We don't live in that environment. But for the first 400 years or so, some of these stories, they weren't even written. It was oral tradition. So they would gather around at someone's table or on the lakeside, and they would eat and drink together, and they would share stories of Jesus. And they would break bread together, and they would eat, and they knew that when they were doing that, this is what Jesus did for us. This is what Jesus is doing for us. This is what Jesus will do. And they centered themselves daily on Jesus they centered them. It's a way to kind of reestablish, what, why are we here? What is this? And when we come to this table, we are always, if we're coming correctly, saying, what is this? And he has to be the one that we are dependent on to tell us what it is. What is this? And we know it's a few things, and I just want to say these really quickly. We know that it's an opportunity to look back. For them, they were still ritualistically killing animals. They just killed things all the time. Like, we're going to kill this and make its blood. We're going to kill this and make it. This was part of their culture. They always did this. To offer sin offerings or whatever offering to appease for a time, it was like a Band-Aid. But, but now we have Hebrews 10, right? Like, now when we look back, we, we literally can, can understand this. Can you bring that up for me, Bill? The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would have no longer felt guilty for their sins. 
You can keep them coming rapidly. But the sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away any sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, they were, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of, of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he awaits for his enemies to be made a footstool. That's crazy. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says... This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my law in their hearts, and I will write them in their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. They, when they gathered, they knew this. They looked at each other, and they would say, do you remember the story about when Jesus had the adulterous woman, what he did to her, how he loved her? Do you remember that? And then somebody in the room would say, actually, I was caught in adultery. I was caught too, just like that woman. And in front of the group would say, I found freedom in Jesus. I was clean. I was cleansed. And they would all do like cheering, like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. You know what else they would do? They would look in the day of. They would know that God provided manna. He provided miracles. He provided for them right where they are. They knew that when they entered this table, there's no more class system. There's no more I'm better than you. There's no more slave or free or freeborn. There's all at one table. There's no seats of honor except for Jesus and everyone else. Even Judas is a part. So they knew, not only did they look back at sin and was forgiven, they looked at brother and sister and said, and just think of like the stories. Like when when they would just gather around, they'd be like, do you remember like how Jesus would talk about how the, these people would become our brothers and they were our enemy? And then somebody would like peek up their head and be like, listen, I was a Jew and I hated Samaritans. And I hated many of you. I looked at you and despised you. And Samaritans would start crying. And he would say, I'm so sorry for that. I'm so sorry for the way I judged you. At this table, we all find family in the Lord. They knew when they gathered, every person was welcomed at the table. And then the third thing is they would look forward when they would take this meal. This is the great disservice, the the church that I came out of, which was a great church. I mean, it gave me a lot, but the denomination I came out of, in 1981, they took how we would do communion. And Dr. Chris Green from the seminary I came from brought this to my eyes. It used to be when we would take communion, we would say, God, we anticipate what you are about to do as we take these sacraments into our body. We believe that you will bless them. In 1981, we decided it would be good if we rewrote that. It's been since 1896. We just felt like it's probably time for us to rewrite this stuff. We changed it to, we thank you for what you did. 
And you can still look in the, in the bylaws. We thank you for what you did. Thank you for that. And we now bless this meal. Isn't that creepy? Isn't that creepy? We don't anymore desire or understand that he's still and is moving us forward. Like, there are people who will dream dreams and young men will have visions. We will... We, as we take this, are proclaiming the kingdom until he comes. When we do this, we are saying, Jesus, you're still the sinner. Jesus, you're still the sinner. When we eat a meal together, we're saying, Jesus, you're still the sinner. Just imagine, like, sitting around and somebody being like, this could be crazy, but... You know how, like, Isaiah had all this vision stuff? Like, this was back then. I feel like God's been speaking to me about how he wants to heal this group of people. I feel like I'm seeing pictures. I feel like he's giving me supernatural faith with it. I feel like the kingdom, there's these rivals. I feel like he's wanting to bring it. And people be like, amen. God still is moving and will continue to move. And now we are a part of the story to take it. Not to gather and say, thank you for what you did, even though that's beautiful. But to say, God, we want to be a part of what you're about to do. It's about to be good. It's about to get good. That's not even correct, but you understand. So... In true form to River City, creating awkward moments where they don't need to be, they would say, does anybody want to say how God has been Jesus and celebrate that? Now, I'm going to open this up, and I will cut you off at 30 seconds. It's not, I'm okay. I'll be the bad guy. If you want to share, listen, if you want to share how God has freed you, if you want to share how God has redeemed you, if you want to share any good thing God has done, this would be an appropriate time. Does that make sense? So let's do it. Anyone can start. I'll stay up here and be awkward until it happens. You just put a time on somebody? That's amazing.
Pam? Thanks, Anne. Amen. Thanks, Lee. You're going to need to get in where you fit in if you're, if you're going to do this. You're going to have to jump up and do it. There you go. Stand. couple more.
Liebe. Me too. Amen. Aaron?
It's not too late to say sorry. <laughs> Is that too old? All right. Anybody else? One quick one? There's one quick one. Somebody's like, oh, your heart's like, da 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 da. Yeah, there you go. Bring it. Thank you. All right. Okay, so we're about to take communion, the Lord's Supper, Eucharist together. I just want to share this with you as you come. What's the unworthy manner? I've actually preached an incorrect sermon on this. It's been a long time. Um, But if you come hungry and you come thirsty and you want Jesus, you can come. Listen, you can come confused You can come saying, where am I going? You can come saying, what is this? You can come upset. But if you come knowing he is Jesus, he will meet you in it. I believe that. So if you're a part of our team that's going to serve communion, we're going to serve over here. This side of the room, we ask that you go here, and we ask that you come like this. In the middle here, we ask that you come here, and we ask you come like this. And over here, we ask you come here, and you can go like this. Now, I'm going to... There's going to be some prayer after this if you want. They're going to stay up here and do some ministry time. Um, We're going to have prayer over there, prayer over there for anyone. I'm going to put you guys on the spot. I'm sorry. I feel like we're supposed to do this. If you're a young couple or a couple or a couple needing any kind of, you just know you need to be prayed for as a couple. The Rodriguez family, would you mind praying for people? And you guys can hang out um, maybe like under community transformation if that's all right. So that's a lot of stuff. Sarah, would you mind coming up and leading us into communion? Sarah has tattoos now. When she was in India, she decided to get a bunch of tattoos. They're Hannah tattoos. Okay, if you guys will please stand with me. So on the night before he died for us, Jesus was at table with his friends. He took the bread, gave thanks to you, Jesus, and said, broke it, and gave it to them and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. As supper was ending, Jesus took the cup of wine. Again, he gave thanks and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for all for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. So if you close your eyes, we're going to pray together. Now gathered at our table, O God of all creation, and remembering Christ crucified and risen, who was and is and is to come, we offer to you our gifts of bread and wine and ourselves a living sacrifice. So pour out your spirit upon these gifts that they may be the body and blood of Christ. 
breathe your spirit over the whole earth and make us your new creation, the body of Christ given for the world you have made. In the fullness of time, bring us with all of your saints from every tribe and language and people and nation to feast at the banquet prepared before the foundation of the world through Christ and with Christ and in Christ in the unity of the spirit to you be honor and glory and praise forever and ever. And the people of God say, amen. So as you come, if you wouldn't mind, tell them your name and then they'll offer you to take a piece of bread and explain what it is. And then you'll dip it into the juice. Does that make sense? Tell them your name as you walk up. Thank you. You can come as you would like from your section. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.